yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know what it is. This is Kevin from the Code Progression Podcast brought to you by City Rocks or Rock and Roll Thrive. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is the 20th of May. Yeah, it's the 20th of May. Holy crap, we're getting into May. And I got a great episode for your day. So, this is a band we've been working on at the since the beginning of the year trying to get them on the podcast. It's all been dependent upon the release date for their remastered 2016 album, American Nightmare, to be released. We have the date. It is May 21st, and we're here to talk all about it. So, how do I describe this band? Man, we try and figure it out on this podcast because they don't sound like anybody else. But we find out that the proper term might be eclectic doom so please welcome the podcast eric from the band itla yes i said that right itla are you ready because this is a fun one enough with my talking let's go yeah well 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 ladies and gentlemen boys and girls listeners of the core progression podcast this one has been in the works for quite a while. We've been waiting on the potential release date for this re-release of an album. And thanks to Brian from MVK Music for helping us set this one up. We have here Eric Eitla from the band Eitla. So Eric, welcome to the Core Progression Podcast. Well, thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. How's everything going in your uh, neck of the woods during this day and age of um, still pandemic times? It's going pretty acceptable. Pretty acceptable. I should have expected that after the initial conversation we had before we started recording. But yes, pretty acceptable is a great way to put it. And Eric, I always like to start these podcasts by asking you three questions. Okay. First two, very simple, very easy for you to answer. The third one's going to put you on the spot a little bit, but it's always my favorite. So one, what is your name? Even though I just said your name. Two, when it comes to the band, Aitla. Yes, I'm going to keep putting the emphasis on the I on that one. What do you do in the band? And the third one is, I want to know a little fun fact, a little fun story, wacky story about yourself that will potentially make me fall out of my chair laughing hysterically. I have heard some like crazy horror stories from the road. I have heard some um, really weird things about band members chloroforming other members, taking to the beach, burying them halfway in the sand to make it look like their legs got chopped off. Um, people lighting their balls on fire. I've, I've heard a bunch of them. So <laughs> I'll let you take it away and see if you can beat a bunch of these. Okay, so I'm just to answer all the uh, success. Uh, God, I can't even think right now. <laughs> Name is Eric. I play guitar. I sing. Well, some people call it singing. Uh, that's open to uh, a little subjectivity. <laughs> and um, I'm the main songwriter of the band. And so a funny story, a funny live story. So we have a song. We were playing at this club. It was kind of a small club. And we have a song that's called Human Waste. So it's not about shit, even though it's, you know, sort of analogous to people being shit, not in a slipknot way. But anyway, so we're playing a song. It's the second song and kind of halfway through the second song of the set. So the bathroom was kind of near where the live area room is like it didn't open directly into it, but there was a little hallway and somebody took a sewage dump literally out of their ass and the smell halfway through the second song started permeating and everybody you could see, I could see it on everybody that was there. They're like, <laughs> and I, and ironically, the next song we were playing was called human waste. So 
I don't know if you fell out of your chair laughing, but I just thought that was kind of an ironic thing uh, that happened. And at the same show, now this isn't as funny, but it is sort of funny. The It was really loud and the drummer had a bag full of earplugs. And some girl was like, oh, it's really loud, you know, because it's last small place or whatever. And he gets his bag of earplugs and he's like, here, do you want earplugs? And she thought they were mints and she like put them in her mouth and she was like... <laughs> He's like, no, they're earplugs, earplugs. And she's like, oh, I thought they were mints. <laughs> I don't know if that's funnier than the human waste story, but that cracked me up because it was like, you know, 30 minutes beforehand of that story. I mean, they both cracked me up. I still think the human waste one is better due to the fact that you do have this wafting aroma of just raw sewage and just human stench coming out of a bathroom right before about to play a song called human waste i mean it had to add to the overall aroma for the crowd just like oh god oh, oh, oh. human waste it was, almost, <laughs> it was almost like smell vision like we couldn't have set it up any better to have like oh if you were gonna have a smell to a song it worked out you pretty much had like some fan at the show basically do natural uh, stage effects for you. Just completely did it on his own <laughs> without any sort of like preconceived notion that that was going to be coming up next. I mean, in an odd way, it kind of worked out. But still, I mean, if you're going to be putting out just this raw sewage smell coming from the bathroom, A, you might want to get checked because that might that sense might not be able to come from a like a healthy human. But secondly... You never know, you might have actually made the concert experience for people a little bit more uneasy, but also memorable in a way where I, I uh, almost messed it up, played Human Waste right as this stench was wafting over everybody. It was quite the memory. Obviously, I could remember it, so that's why I told you the story. I mean, I have other funny stories too, but that's the one that was top of mind. And it's always like, and they, those stories could always end up coming, the other ones could always end up coming up during the conversation as well. You never know, because... When it comes to concert stories, we all have crazy ones. I don't think I have one that deals with a, with stench. Most of mine deal with bodily injuries to myself due to the fact that, you know, mosh pits come up and I just can't resist. So <laughs> we all have stories like that. I hear you. And I do miss those too, especially over the past, you know, over a year at this point with the fact that no live shows have really happened. I mean, there's very small ones that have happened or like locally or regionally, but not a lot of people uh, maybe a couple of like a couple of venues been having them at limited capacity. Have you been playing at all during this time to like limited capacity shows or just outdoor shows maybe, or have you been, uh, since the pandemic hit, has ITLA been just working on music the whole entire time? Well, I mean, we obviously things shut down probably what last March we yeah. actually did play like four shows. A couple were in Tennessee because Tennessee, didn't even have any mandates and that was in July. So they didn't give a shit. And so we played a couple shows, um, at this one venue and then, um, November, October, and November, we both had shows, one in Raleigh, one uh, outside of Charlotte in North Carolina, but they were both on private land. So they didn't really count for the restrictions and they were pretty, you know, one was a guy's venue, a guy built his own venue. And so it's his private land. So people were there. I, I it was a Halloween show. And I was a joke. I jokingly said, you know, I can't believe I don't see anybody here with masks on because it's a Halloween show. Ha ha ha. Little pandemic humor because uh, nobody was wearing a mask. Uh, nobody really gave a shit. And same thing in South. Uh, well, the, the Charlotte show, which was out in South Carolina, but kind of 
uh, you know, it's near the border of South Carolina. So it's basically a suburb, that whole area outside in, in South Carolina. Anyway, it was on private land. It was a guy's brewery. And so we played some shows, but since then we haven't had any shows, but it worked out because we were already in, we already schedule already scheduling ourselves to record a new album, but we're not talking about the new album, but the new album is coming along and we're going to be done pretty soon. And it'll probably come out by the end of the year. Uh, because we're here really to promote the re-release of American Nightmare on EXSR Records, May 21st. Uh, but, you know, that's what we've been doing during the pandemic. And we, we actually started uh, about a month ago. Things started are starting to open up. Places are booking. So starting in May uh, and the next month we have a show and then we have like four more shows booked through November or October. But a lot of irons in the fire, a lot of things we're working on. So. I mean, I see on Facebook more and more shows being promoted, at least down here. I don't know what it's like in the Midwest, but kind of in you know North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, Tennessee, uh, all kinds of bands are, are promoting shows and booking shows. So things seem to be opening up here. Uh, June 1st, we're supposed to lose our mask mandate and any social gathering restrictions, indoor and outdoor. So I, I know Wisconsin, because I have friends in Wisconsin that we were talking about. I went to high school. Uh, up your way and I lived there for a few years afterwards and I talked to a few friends and I, you guys didn't really have any restrictions at first nobody even gave a shit going to the bars and stuff but I, I don't know what it looks like for you guys now Alrighty, so yeah when everything basic like after about two months after the pandemic started once all of a sudden the uh, governor's emergency order was considered unconstitutional after about 60 days from the Wisconsin Supreme Court it was like literally an hour and a half afterwards, bars that are maybe like I'm half a mile, maybe less than half a mile, a couple blocks away from me were opening up and it was like no one gave a shit. Hell, it was still was like no one gave a shit. And then in July, especially here in Milwaukee, that's when the mask mandate started. And then for the and statewide, it started, I want to say, at the beginning of August for 2020. So, of course, there were still different uh, distancing requirements, but it was weird because the only things that were really kind of being um not really not going on due to those requirements and different shutdowns was like sporting events it was any sport event no fans were allowed no concerts or no mass gatherings but people were still packing the bars without any care in the world and now as it stands right now uh the statewide mask mandate is no more i think that ended middle of march i want to say but it depends on each city and each area each each local municipality if they want to have it but when it comes to live shows happening, back in like the summer, I went to two. I went up to one that was in Green Bay and with about maybe 200 people there and no masks or anything. I had one of those like neck gaiters, but it looked maybe looked like I was wearing the Guy Fox mask. But it was for right. a band that I had interviewed on the podcast twice before at that point, one time after. I've had him on three times and I wanted to see him live, but I also wanted to surprise him a little bit. So it was kind of fun putting him like having it on. You couldn't really tell who I was. And everyone's wondering, okay, here's a little mosh pit going on. Who's the guy in the guy, like looking like in the guy Fox mask that is apparently just like actually like controlling this whole entire thing, which that never happens to me. Cause usually when I go to shows, there's usually like a couple of guys that are like six, four, six, five, 270 pounds that they hit me and I go bouncing off them like crazy. But there was also another one I went up to, God, I can't remember where it was. It was like 40 miles West of Wausau at a, at a, at a, like a little, like a winery. It was about maybe 50 okay. people there, but there were two bands that I had interviewed on the podcast literally a month before and they were playing up there. So I'm like, well, shit, I want to go up and see them. Since then and now that things are starting to open up, I've been seeing some smaller venues 
and some like more outdoor stuff like starts to pop up with live music. But when it comes to the more major indoor stuff, especially in Milwaukee, like I use the rave as the prime example. We're Wait, not really oh, seeing any. Still around? Oh yeah. There, oh um, my god! It's, on was, the di- I love that venue. Well, I'll say on the day we're shooting this, the only the two shows that have been announced were uh, Ginger is going to be doing their run that was supposed to happen in May of 2020. That's now rescheduled and confirmed for November of 2021. Uh, I think Deftones, Gojira, and Poppy, they were supposed to play August of last year. They're scheduled for August of this year. We'll see how that plays out, though. I still have my ticket for that one. And then the day we're shooting this, uh, they just announced that Machine Gun Kelly was playing at the beginning of October. So it's, shows are starting to get announced, but it's later in the year. And then the festivals that are happening. Rockfest is still supposed to happen in Cadott, Wisconsin, up by Eau Claire. In July, right. and then all the other major music festivals, like I know Blue Ridge happening out in Virginia, uh, Incarceration in Ohio, Louder Than Life, that's supposed to start happening around September, October-ish, and those are scheduled and set to go. So, seems like it's starting to happen, but again, still slowly. What about Rock USA and Oshkosh? Uh, Is that they, happening this year? Uh, no, they after they couldn't do it in 2020, they had they declared bankruptcy and they're done. Uh-huh. Oh, but, really? Oh, but, fuck. I know, but the, uh, the venue that they have it at in Oshkosh, the venue got sold to the Danny Wimmer Presents company. So they do all the like louder than life aftershock, all the big, bigger festivals for rock and metal. So I'm assuming they're the ones that bought it. So I'm assuming they're going to bring something like that back. Right. Which makes me well, happy. I, funny, more. funny that you mentioned like, um, like none of the bigger shows are, are booking or like majors because I was talking. So we're right now we're our, current album which is false pretenses is on curtain call records and i was talking to the guy and uh like the the main guy and they he said they're having issues trying to book they're trying to book some some certain things uh you know some bigger things but they're having hard times finding headliners because some of the major bands still aren't or more of the you know on major labels really still aren't touring yet so this may be an opportunity the rest of this year for the smaller bands where people are hungry to go to shows and stuff. And maybe they'll like say, well, I can't spend $800 to see this band. Maybe I'll go and see one show. Maybe I'll go to $80, $10 shows and yeah. discover some new bands. That's what I'm hoping for too. But it's, and it's also where like a lot of those bigger bands too, like, I mean, not the super duper big ones, like the ones that are still getting or gaining popularity that are going to be playing a lot of shows like there's still be openers or even potential headliners on a smaller scale. I still want to go see those because they're the bands I'm really into right. right now. But the thing that's going to be interesting, I had a conversation about this with the guys from the band Lotus Crush, where with a lot of the bigger artists as well, it's another thing that could be preventing that is insurance, not only for the bands to be able to, you know, be able to make sure that they're able to make money even on top of travel expenses, playing and everything else that's on top of it. But the venues at the same point, being able to get insurance for these shows because of how many people are going to be there and what happens if a potential little COVID outbreak happens at one of these shows. Is the venue going to be liable? And then is there going to be lawsuits? Is there there going to be enough insurance to make sure that they're covered in that kind of a situation? Everything comes into play. So go see your local bands that come to your local venues and discover some new bands. So bands like ITLA, can build in more popularity. 
Exactly. That's a that's a great way to put it too, because we've been hungry for so many concerts to happen since the beginning of this pandemic. I've seen so many people just constantly posting in different Facebook groups and different text threads that I have wanting to go back to live shows, wanting to do this stuff. Now we're starting to see stuff pop up. And yes, it is on a smaller scale, but you've been wanting this. You've been hoping for this. And you never know what happens if you go to a smaller venue that maybe only will hold like what, 100, 200 people, but you go there and you see a band that all of a sudden you absolutely fall in love with. Yeah, love that. Fall in love with like Aitla. And all of a sudden now you've got this great new band that you can show off to people and be like, hey, check out this, check out this. You're riding a car with your friends and someone says, oh, put on something. Next thing you know, you're going to put on American Nightmare from Aitla. And everyone's going to be like, holy shit, what is this? And you're going to keep playing over and over again. And it's all because you took a chance at seeing a band at a live show. And because you haven't seen live shows in almost like over a year at this point, you're going to be craving them. Come on, just give. All we're saying is give local music a chance. If you're listening to American Nightmare, though, you got to get the 2021 release of the re the remastered re-release on EXR Records. Don't get the original release. Now you got to get the new release. Yeah, you got to get the new release coming out, hopefully, May 21st, 2021. And I got to ask, when it comes to the re-release for this, because um, American Nightmare, the original one, came out in 2016. What was the purpose behind doing the re-release for this? Well, we were working... Uh, so, my drummer in... Aitla is in another band and they were working with this label out of Fayetteville, North Carolina, that is run by um, a bunch of ex-military uh, special forces guys. And there's a main guy that sort of runs it. And there's five guys, you know, as part of the label. But anyway, you know, I, I kind of told Gary, the drummer, like I said, Hey, you know, we should work with that record label too. And long story short, you know, the guy uh, liked our material and he wanted to work with us. Originally, he was going to release the last album, but things kind of fell through. But he goes, hey, I still want to work with you guys. You know, I was having some challenges, but now I'm, I'm over those challenges uh, with the label. Uh, um, and he's like, well, let's re-release American Nightmare because the original release, I didn't get it mastered correctly. I won't get into why. Uh, long story, but he's like, hey, let's remaster that release. I think there's a lot of it, it's, uh, you know, he loves the songs. He loves you know, the songwriting and he feels that he felt that there was some validity in re-releasing it. So, you know, he, we got it remastered and he's re-releasing on the label. It's going to actually have a, a real physical release um, to like an independent kind of network of uh, CD shops and music shops. So besides getting the digital re-release, it's actually going to be released digital um, on a physical CD. And ironically, you know, some people might go, wow, does CD still sell? And you'd be surprised, even since um, you know 2011, as I when I kind of re jump started Itla as a live band, uh, CDs sell at every show. Like e even if it's a drunken uh, <laughs> impulse buy, people still buy CDs, and a lot of times they'll go like, because we you know we have five releases, um, and they'll just say, how much for all five? People just, I don't know, I don't know if they're drunk and they just love to collect CDs. And some people do say, you know, hey, I just like having the physical media, but CDs actually sell. And I've been kind of hearing that people like are more into buying CDs again and, and vinyl. There's probably going to be a, a vinyl release of the American Nightmare uh, of the re, of the remastered re-release. So, you know, look for that as well. It's not going to be available right away, you know, but the CDs will be available at, on the release date as well as you know, obviously all the digital platforms. 
I was not expecting CDs to have that sort of a uh, clout in terms of still selling very well, but it does make sense because seeing when you go to live shows, they're still selling those CDs and I've seen them start to fly. But I do, I do wonder, are people listening to CDs or are they just collecting them with myself? I don't like, I don't, I don't even know what happened to any CDs that I had when I was a kid anymore because I, I mean, I pretty much download all my stuff digitally, but there's times where I still like to have a physical, physical copy of it. And if it's me, I'm going to buy the vinyl because it is kind of, it is kind of cooler. It has more of a nostalgic feel. Plus I will actually listen to it because I do have a bad boy right here to play all that stuff on. So I like to spin it sometimes. And it also lets me kind of just like sink into the music a little bit more because I bought it physically. Now I'm invested in it. And now it's like, I really like, want to make sure I get to get the full experience of it instead of just, oh, I like this one song. Boop, done. Just going to listen to that one. No, right. I want to hear the whole thing. But to answer your question, do people still listen to the CDs? I don't care. If they <laughs> bought it, it's theirs. They can do what they want with it. Plus another thing too is like, especially, especially if you're able to get that thing signed by the band, like say you buy a CD at a show and all of a sudden it's like, hey, can you guys sign this? And they sign it. Now all of a sudden, it's like, especially the people like the band, then they're going to have a little piece of memorabilia for themselves. Right. Like, hey, look at this cool piece that I got that was signed by the band. Actually, I think CDs, I'm actually looking over. One of the bands I've had in the podcast actually sent me one of their CDs. And I have it literally literally sitting in a frame right across from me. I completely forgot about it. Right. And and a lot of people do ask us to sign at least one of the CDs. They say, hey, can you, you know, guys sign the CD? So, you know, it feels good when, you know, a band at our level, people are like, hey, can you sign, you know, sign the CD? Is like, okay. And then you never know what happens if all of a sudden you gain some traction. You get all of a sudden you guys get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then those people that really started out beforehand, all of a sudden, you know, they're having people come over to their house and they're showing them their music collection, showing them all this stuff. And all of a sudden they see these signed CDs and it's a band that they're starting to really get into, potentially Aitla. And all of a sudden, hey, where'd you get that? When'd you get that signed? And now you're telling them all these different stories about, yeah, I saw the band back in, you know, 2017, 2018 when I started getting to them, even like 2014. And you're starting mm-hmm. to see kind of this growth of them. And people are going to start to wonder, maybe I should have gotten this band beforehand. I mean, the best time to get into the band would have been yesterday, but the second best time to get into the band is today. Well, you know, it's always a nice fantasy. You know, instead of being worth, you know, $2, the CD might be worth $2.03 with our signatures <laughs> on them. You know, unless yeah, I, I don't really believe in this day and age that something like that could happen. Sure, it's fun to fantasize about and go like, oh, my God, what if somebody bought our CD and, it, and we signed it and now it's worth a million dollars? No, it's not going to happen. But it's still nice when people ask us to sign the CD. I'll just stop right there because yeah, that's good enough for me right now. I mean, it's, in, in a way, it just shows that these fans enjoy it more and it's going to mean more to them personally if they're going to have it signed by you guys. Because, again, they, they took the time to come out to the show. And you're starting to see that reciprocation between not only yourselves and, and these fans, but they're also seeing it as well. So that when it comes to time to, again, share their your music with other people, they're able, they're willing to share it due to that fact. They're willing to be like, hey, check out this. It kind of adds a little bit more of this personal touch to it in a way. It does. I don't, I don't disagree. And you would, you would, you'd be surprised how far it would go. Cause even like one of the, uh, like that uh, show I was talking about that I went to in July when I had that uh, the Guy Fox mask on because the uh, the girls that were playing because it's a group of three girls they were selling they had their merch shape. Is it GLM? Who? Oh, it's not. You said it's three girls. I thought there's yeah. a band GLM. Um, oh, it's GFM. What is it? No, GFM. See, I mean, GL, yeah, because yeah. we're it was it them? Yeah, it was them. 
Okay, we're we're opening for them uh, in Bristol, Tennessee, on July thirtieth. Are you serious? No, I mean, yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit! Because yeah, because I, I I saw them and I saw that they were selling like one of those like skate decks. It was the only one they had. I'm like, fuck it, I I bought it. They signed it, and it's sitting right here. <laughs> okay, I mean, I don't know that much about them. Uh, I guess they are some kind of Christian band or something with positivity. Yeah. I read on their website. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, right, they're good at yeah. what they do. I was um, gonna say, I'll put it know. this. I'll put it this way: They are a Christian band. They do have a, the other messages are positive. When it comes to like the straightforward like Christian message of it, if you listen to the lyrics, it's a lot more kind of just. It's not overt. It's more just you can take it what it is. You can take it what what it is. But the it's when I listen to their sound, it's basically if you think of taking Paramore and crossing over with the day to remember. So you're gonna have more of that like pop punky style, but they are gonna go heavy at times too. It's it's pretty it's a pretty good trip, honestly. No, yeah, I listened to some of their stuff. You know, I can't say I studied it, but yeah, I mean, I got they were. You know, it's cool that there are three younger girls that are into that style of music. Uh, you don't generally get that. You just get old dudes. It seems like it's a bunch of old dudes. You don't get a lot of younger. It, it doesn't seem like, uh, and maybe it's my ignorance because. I don't go seek out all the brand new bands. So I'm sure there's a lot of younger bands, but it's just cool. They stick out more because, you know, it's kind of their stick. They're three girls that are sisters, you know, uh, and they go around and, you know, do what they do in the heavy style. Kind of like, yeah, I don't want to say it reminds me of baby metal, but, you know, that, that they had their sort of thing um, that I, I sort of pseudo compare it. Yeah, they not, kinda- not direct correlation. Yeah, it's kind of like they have this little like this little gimmick behind it as well, where it's it's gonna stand out. It's it's not somewhere I'm like saying gimmick as you know that's the only trick they have. It's just as a gimmick, it's the thing that stands out the most about them. Where it's yeah, it's it's you're gonna see three girls up there, and it's gonna be like oh, you know, you think they're gonna be kind of just like oh, three girls, oh, that's kind of cool, and then they just at times they'll just have these sometimes brutal breakdowns with unclean vocals, and you're like, where the hell did that come from? It's it's something right. that's interesting. And after listening to the whole entire re-release of American Nightmare as well, listening to the kind of sound that you guys really have, the energy and the heaviness that you're able to bring with your kind of style, if you're going to be playing with them, it's perfect. It's going to really intertwine with the overall energy of the show as well. So the fans that come and see them, they're going to be able to enjoy your music just as much. I appreciate that. Hopefully, hopefully, the, hopefully the audience agrees as well and buys lots of merch. Hopefully, and because uh, if that's you said July thirtieth, correct? Right at Thunder Valley Tavern in Bristol, Tennessee. Might have to check my calendar and make the twelve-hour drive down there just to enjoy, see what happens. You never know. I mean, why not? <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a Friday, so you know you'd have to take the day off of work. Eh, not too hard for me to take the day off of work with my full-time job. They gave us uncapped PTO for salary, and I got that at the beginning of uh, last year. So as long as it gets approved, I'm good. But that's that's such a scam. Our company looked at it. Uh, I work at Cisco and we looked at that a few years ago and it sounds great. It's like, oh, take as much vacation if you want. But if you start taking a bunch of vacation and they either go like, wait a minute, this guy is on vacation like two days a week. He's still doing his job. Either he's not busy enough uh, or, you know, or, you know, we don't really need him. So there's that that care, you know, that goes like, oh, you get unlimited PTO. No, you really don't because oh, we don't really monitor. As long as you get your work done, it's like they're monitoring it. Luckily, we didn't instill it, um, but, you know. 
I'll say luckily for me though, in that case, especially with the company I work for and the team that I'm on, because we're kind of on this like de facto team from the actual company. We're kind of on our own <laughs> to the point where it's, we are kind of the outcasts. It's like, no one really checks in on us. So we kind of just right. do whatever the hell we feel like in terms of, I mean, I know someone on my team, they've already taken three weeks of vacation so far and it's only April and no one really cares because hell, there's times where we have uh, like high, like high volume time to time we have low volume and the low volume, everyone's just like taking days off here and there. High volume is like three weeks in, a, in, in like a month, like one month, all of a sudden, boom, everyone's on the ball. Then after that, everyone kind of scatters and does their own thing. Right. Hey, good. You got a good flexible job. So, you know, try to make it out. July 30th, Bristol, Tennessee, Thunder Valley Tavern, Aitla and GFM. Wait, yeah, GFM, yeah, not GLM. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, don't worry. If I I'll, What I'll try and do is, like, I'll try and find the uh, link for that show as well. If there's, like, a ticket link or if there's, like, a Facebook post link or something, put it in the description of the podcast. So, everyone that is in the Tennessee area, Bristol, Tennessee, or if you're like me, very far out but still feel like going to see the show, you can just, you know, click on the link, get all the information you want. We'll take care of you from there. Simple as that. Yeah, there's a Facebook uh, event for it already. Sweet. I'm going to end up finding that and end up putting it all out there. So also when it comes to American Nightmare, jumping back into that, when it came to really going through the remastering process of this, was this your first time really going through something and really re-recording it, remastering it in the whole entire way to make sure it's exactly how you wanted? Well, remember, a remaster is not remixing it, right? So uh, it wasn't, it's not remixed, it's just remastered. So yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with recording, but you'll, you'll do a final mix and you'll say, like, okay, all the levels are there. And then, you know, if you're familiar with woodworking, you know, like you build your project and you're like, okay, to smooth it out, you put shellac on it or you put some kind of finish on it. So basically, we what what a remastering is is you take that raw track you kind of sand off the varnish that was on it even though you don't do anything to the original master tracks you just have the original mixes and then you remaster those so mastering is just a process that evens out the sounds um you know makes a certain loudness and then you can also play with the frequencies and things to bring out certain things that weren't brought out before so you know, that's all the remastering is. And, you know, a lot of, uh, if you, if you kind of pay attention and go look at bands catalogs, you'll see like the re-release remasters because when they mastered it, let's say an album was released in the eighties and they mastered it a certain way. It gave it a certain sort of aura. And sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was bad. Usually it was bad. And then people <laughs> want to hear like they'll remaster it. It'll bring out different things that you didn't hear in the mix, even though it's not remixed uh enhancing certain frequencies can bring out tones in a different way uh to make the album sound better so well actually thank you for clarifying that up because when it comes to remastering remixing all that kind of stuff i always end up getting them confused at some point because i've never actually recorded a song before i really gone through that process when it came to my musical talents i was i drummed from the ages of 10 to 14 and i gave it up to go play soccer instead because i really only had time to do one or the other and now clearly looking at what I'm doing right now, I'd probably pick the wrong one because I gave up drumming, but, it, but, but then I never was able to get like, like write music, get into a recording studio, even though I have a bet with uh, Daisy from the band, the dead deads to write my own song and see how it comes out. And I'm pretty sure it's just going to end up, the only part I have written is just the black that goes into the breakdown. That's about it right now. <laughs> you got, you got to start somewhere. 
You got yeah, got to start somewhere. I don't know where to start, but we'll, I'll I'll figure it out though. It'll it'll take it'll take some time, a lot of time, but I'll figure it out. But when it comes to again remixing and remastering, I always would get them confused. So thank you for clarifying that up. And when it came to listening to American Nightmare, I what I did was I would listen to the original because I found it on Spotify from 2016, and then I listened to the remastered one to kind of see okay. What differences was that were done in the remastering? What things were more pronounced? What were, was more brought out? And in the end, was it produced in a way that, like, remastered in a way that was made it more stand out a little bit? Maybe made the songs have a little bit more of an impact, a little bit more of a drive, whatever it might have been that was changed. And I was right. really kind of curious about that. And I went through all ten of them that were on there, and going through. I mean, for for the most part, what I would say is the aspects that I saw that I listened to that were a little bit different and a little bit more pronounced from the remastered version over the original. What I saw in the, what I heard in the, re- ah, bleh, there I go mess up again. What I heard in the remastered version was, honestly, I'm like, I really like this remastered version compared to the original because the things that were brought out, the things that were a little more pronounced, a little bit the volume levels that were changed on certain things. Right. It just produced this more impactful kind of aura with whatever the sound was. Like take a look at the Tetra track, American Nightmare, for example. When I listened to the remastered version, there was a the chugging guitar in the intro was a little bit more had like this heavier volume, this heavier tone to it. Kind of gave the song a slightly deeper and a little bit heavier feel to it. And in my mind, it didn't change up the drive of the song overall. That original drive behind it is consistent. It is kept there, but it gives a deeper and slightly darker feel to the song with the American Nightmare moniker. So I'm like, does this something that works out a bit more? And I love the way that that kind of little bit that heavier sound on it just created that deeper feel overall. Wow, you did some homework. That's good. I appreciate that. Of course, Most I do. On a podcast, they don't give a shit, or they they don't even pretend to listen to it. I'll say, of course, I did my homework. What if if I'm going to have you on the podcast, we're going to be talking about either new music, new album, or or a remastered version of it. I'm going to end up going into it. I'm going to end up taking a look at it, and I'm going to end up getting my thoughts on it. And even if I'm looking over to the side, and it seems like you know, I'm kind of just like not looking at you. While I'm talking. Cause I have everything written down on another screen and typed out and I just don't want to fuck it up. <laughs> oh, good. I appreciate that. You do your homework. I like that. I, and I'm kind of surprised to see that like not if not a lot of people would do that too. Cause it's just, you're going to have these people on why, why not prepare for it properly? Because if you're able to talk about their, if you're, you're going to have people on, whether it's anything, whatever they're in music, movies, TV, sports, whatever it might be, why not do your homework on it? Cause then the conversation just can be, have so much more substance behind it, have so much more value behind it. And then all of a sudden you can start potentially seeing certain things that, you know, maybe that I listened to and I heard in your songs that maybe you weren't noticing at first, or maybe something that I picked up on, but you're, and you're like, well, that's not what we're going for. We're going for something like this, but in the end, it kind of works out the same way. You never know. I've seen that happen before. I've had that happen before on here. Right. Awesome. So a couple other, cause I went through each and every song as well too. So I can, I can go through all of them if you want me to. Hey, it's your show, whatever you want to do. Make well, make me uh, feel good for the next 30 minutes. Keep on going. Oh, I can do that. So let's go to Uns- Unsung as the second song on this. And after listening to both the remastered version and the original, there was really not much change overall, except I thought that the some of the notes on the songs, especially with the guitars, the bass, and the drums, just the way that they were mastered, it kind of had a little bit of like a crisper ending to them. So they kind of did, they kind of were more pronounced with each note with how it ended. So we didn't kind of flow into the, one of the next. And I thought it gave the song more of like a polished re, uh, remastering in the end. And this really comes out, especially with the higher pitch guitar transitions that are in this song, because 
they stand out so much better to contrast against the heavier backing from the bass guitar and the heavy tom use on the drums to where those transitions it's that heavy contrast where both parts stand out where you're going to get the heaviness from the bass guitar and from the drums especially with how heavy they go on the toms but with the way the guitar is distorted just a little bit of that higher pitch with the crisper ending and the crisper finish to the notes like you said like they kind of refinish over it it gives it a little bit more life gives a little more volume to a little bit more vibrance to it so it just stands out so much more and i love it when those contrasts really stand out to make both parts both the heaviness and the lighter parts of the heavier more down to stuff or the and the higher tune stuff just stand out equally as much just with that contrast. Awesome. I don't know. I have anything to say, but I'll say this. Well, at, well, with those, I mean, we got there's ten on these tracks. There's ten of these tracks, and I went through two of them. And right now, you're two for two on these remasterings. And again, when it came to just going through these and just remastering these, like you said, kind of putting that new finish over it, it's kind of like. Yeah, you're taking a chair and you're basically taking off all the finish, you know, maybe you had this like, you know, oaky nut brown finish on it. You, and all of a sudden it fits better, you know, if you kind of have this like weird matte black finish over it. Right. Looks, you know, you never know. Put it in a room, might look a lot cooler. It just happens. Right. I appreciate it. Now you're probably going to build me up and go like, yeah, the third song, yeah, it sucked. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, third song, here we go. We have the song Essence and the remastered from my take. It had more of this pronounced contrast, once again, shown between specifically the bass guitar and the electric guitar as well, because the bass has this heavier sound. The guitar has this slightly higher pitch by comparison, not a lot, but the original accordion had them a little bit closer together, so the contrast was not nearly as pronounced in my mind on the original. It was more pronounced on the remastering, but the remastering, it showed the deeper bassline guitar compared to the original, and just a little bit deeper, a little bit lighter, and it made the contrast, again, just a slightly little bit more pronounced especially in the intro. If you listen to the intro, if you kind of put the two between of them, you'll figure that out. And I did like the move overall, especially with the melodic pacing to now show more conscious by more substance of the song. That contrast just really allowed the vocals just to kind of carry a little bit more due to that fact. So again, now we're three through there and I, you're three for three, man. I mean, you're batting 300. Or the worst you can do is bat 300. That's putting you in the hall of fame for, if you're playing baseball. Exactly. That's a great average, 300 average. <laughs> I mean, if, if I could if I could hit 300, I'd be playing Major League Baseball right now instead of doing this. But, I mean, if I was playing baseball even when I was a kid, I probably batted. Oh, God, I don't even want to think of what I would have batted. I just remember playing baseball when we were, like, in seventh grade. It, it just hit recess just because that's what we would do when we had a, a plastic bat and a tennis ball. And for, like, the first, like, two months, I would just whiff horribly at everything. I just could not make contact whatsoever. It was bad. Yeah. I played Little League in fifth. Fifth grade, I think. Oh, man, I sucked. I was so bad. I was so bad at Little League. So we had tryouts. So you would go, you know, um, and basically, you know, run drills, right? And then all the teams, they would pick teams. Uh, you know, all the coaches, like, you know, just like any kind of scouting thing, right? They even did it for Little League. So you'd go out, you like, hey, go field, go play outfield. You know, okay, and now it's your time to bat. You know, they're taking notes. And, they're, and I was so bad. My team, the, the, so we were almost like the bad news bears, my team, because <laughs> everybody that didn't get picked by legitimate teams at the time were kind of pushed off to the side. We didn't, they didn't even have a coach. They had to find a guy to coach us like the bad. I swear it was the bad news bears. Now that I think about it, the only thing we didn't have was a girl on a team. Uh, but 
we were in last place. We sucked so bad. We were excited. We won like one or two games uh, in the, the however many seasons it was. And we, we, we were just terrible. We were like, we got demoted to like the lowest level of, <laughs> um, we called, they called it the minors and the majors. And, you know, I had a lot of friends that went to the majors in the little league thing. Here I am like same age playing in the minors. Boy, we sucked. Oh, don't worry. I totally understand that. Why do you think when I start, when I was really playing sports, why I played a sport where using my hands was not necessarily permitted. Right. Well, it's not even permitted at all. Unless, unless you're the goalie, which I was not. I, I I always would play defense or midfield and just now if I play, I'll still play with, with certain people and I always play midfield just because now that I'm 26 playing with people that are, you know, in their twenties, what I found out is there's a lot of people that once he hit like 21, 22, they just stop running. Right. <laughs> so all of a sudden it's just, I remember I was, this was over the winter. I was playing with a couple of guys or this is a group of guys that we always played downtown Milwaukee. And at one of the guys told me, he was like, I'm going to nickname you shadow. I'm like, why are you nicknaming me shadow? It's like every time I have the ball, if I see a shadow approach me, I have half a second maybe to make a decision. Otherwise, the ball's gone. He's like, you're taking it. I'm like, he's like, you could be the other end of the field. I'll take three dribbles. Next thing you know, I see this shadow and I'm scared shitless. I was like, oh shit, I guess I'm doing something right. <laughs> Good reputation. I'm a, I'm a fan of it. But then again, again, if I can't, if I couldn't play baseball, football, I mean, I got small hands for a person my size. So throwing a ball, not going to work. Catching it. Still not going to work. Uh, basketball, I was never very good at it. So that's why I stick to sports where I don't can't use my hands in music. That's about it. Right. Let's move on to brainwashed. Let's move on to brainwashed already. We can keep going. And when it comes to brainwashed, when I listen to both, okay, here's what we got. When I listened, it was what the, it was the guitar specifically on this one that I saw was the biggest change overall in the remaster because it was a little bit on the lighter side in terms of overall tone, especially in the intro. But it does, again, give the song that heavier contrast feel that I've been talking about from the past three. Especially in the verse and the chorus, it does become less pronounced and does get a little bit lost behind the vocals there, in my opinion. But that, but then we also get the more pronounced sound when the guitars, when those vocals are absent. So I'm liking the contrast a lot more than, especially on those spots, when the vocals aren't out there. Because you're starting to see the contrast between the guitars and the bass guitar and the drums really start to stand out a little bit more when the vocals are there. It's kind of similar to the intro in my mind because they do get a little bit drowned out by the vocals. However, the vocals are going to be the most important part, especially in those verses and those chords. So it does make sense, but I do like the fact that that contrast is a little bit more pronounced once again, to make those lighter sounds come out a little bit more. Right on. All right. Well, that's four for four already when it comes to this, especially with I'm again, it's, they're not major changes, everybody. It's a remastered version, but you're going to find the slight little nuances in there. And when you listen to them, you're going to end up finding out these things, especially if you listen to them back to back on each other, which is what I did. However, as we we're four through, four through four songs in this, I suggest on May 21st, 2021, you listen to the remastered version of American Dream, American Nightmare. When I say American Dream, oh, I'm still stuck on a different one too that has the exact same like kind of style name. <laughs> Whoopsies. I'm sucking last week's podcast or two weeks or when this airs two weeks ago. My bad. Well, hey, and you know, to the people out there, you don't even have to go back and listen to the other one. Man, it's nice if you discover it, but just since you've never heard of this band, 
Just go to discover American Nightmare and the rest of the back catalog of the remastered American Nightmare coming out May 21st on EXR Records. Yes, keep on plugging it. Okay, we're four for four through this, and now we got to the next song, which is Forgotten. On this one, I've, I've been consistently talking about how in the first four songs that we're seeing those slight changes in the remastering on the instrumentals. On Forgot, yeah, I really didn't see anything on the big change with the instrumentals, but the difference was in the vocals from Dear Eric over here. And it was specifically at the end of the second chorus going to the guitar solo. It sounds like there might be a little bit more of a backing vocal that's a little bit more brought out here. I don't know why. It just sounds like there's a little bit more of this echo kind of sound behind, a little bit more of this fuller sound. And it's very subtle. It's not very present. It's very subtle. But it's something that stands out as a little bit more to add, just a little bit more of that echo to match the vocals with the acoustic mainstay of the entire song. In my opinion, it just gave it more of this full feel and just, I don't know what the best way to put it, but just, it if, when I were listening to the original, it felt like there was missing this, a little bit of this fullness, but the remastered version kind of bringing up the vocals a little bit more through that, that fullness kind of was brought more to the forefront. So it did feel more that it was complete through the remastering. Right. And since everybody doesn't know the song Forgot versus the other songs, Forgot is ba your basic uh kind of heavy metal ballad on this with a lot of acoustics on this one a lot a lot of open spaces so that's probably the difference that you hear the the remastering didn't do as much for kind of the acoustic sound of it or the the clean sound of the guitars versus the heavier prior songs that are all you know distorted guitars yeah because especially like in some of those other songs we've talked about before i mean american nightmare specifically is just that song has a lot more of that heaviness behind it especially compared to forgot again that more heavy metal ballad style so when you're listening to the remastered version, the instruments are going to stand out more there. When it comes to Forgot, again, heavy metal ballad, it's not going to stand out as much as due to the fact that with the acoustic backing on it, there's not going to be that much change. So the vocals are going to be where that remastering has a little bit more of a prominence that you're going to end up finding out. But again, it's just how that like end of the second chorus goes where it just had that little bit more of this kind of pronounced feel, a little bit more. It feels like there's a little bit of an echo behind the vocals. It just gives it more of a full feel going into that guitar solo, which really transitions into it nicely. Well, thank you. I really, that's one of my favorite songs. Um, it's a good song. It is. I'm glad, and I'm glad that the remaster really came out that way too, because again, it just gives it the full feel that I think that the original may have been lacking just a little bit. Right. Well, thanks. And now we're five. We're, I mean, we're halfway through this five for five. I mean, the worst you can do now is batting 500. If, if you're playing in the, if you're playing the NBA, you're probably going to the playoffs of the 500 record. So We'll see if we can get better here, but five for five. So that's, that's still looking good. Already go to number six, which is no questions. And when it comes to the remastered version in my mind, nothing really stood out here to, as much of a change, except for the guitar solo, because it had a little bit more of this volume behind it and a little bit more smoothness around the edges overall. So it had a much more pronounced sound and much smoother sound, a little bit smoother sound, I should say, compared to the original. And I really like the more prominent volume on this. But wish a little that would say a little bit rougher or to maximize the possibility of being a little bit more standoutish on the solo part. But if you're gonna go through one or the other, I mean having that volume increase a little bit more just to really stand out in terms of the power behind it to match everything up else with the song, that was the right move to go with. Well, thank you. I didn't remaster it, but okay. Again, I'm again, but if I if I had to, if I had to put okay, am I gonna put this one in the loss column or the win column? I'm putting this one in the win column because again, taking a listen to it, would I take a look at the original or the remastered version? Which one would I listen to? I listen to the remastered version due to the fact that that guitar solo stands out so much more. 
right? Already six for six. This is still looking good. Number seven, we have the song Leave. And I'm when I listened to it, it was there was not really much of a change that was needed on this song here. I'll tell you maybe a little bit of a cleaner mix in terms of the overall sound, but the melodic vocals and more hard rock drive this song, it really didn't need any heavy like remastering or updates. But that little cleanup, honestly, when I listened to the original versus the remastered, the remastered, that little bit of cleanup just made everything a little bit more audible, a little bit more clear, and it let the song drive the point home a lot better in my mind. So just that little bit of cleanup there did wonders. Well, thank you. Already seven for seven. seven. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think what would be a good equivalent for if the worst you can do is bat is like going with a seven, like a you're 70%. Gonna pass, you're going to pass college with a 70% uh, <laughs> average. That's usually. a good shit. That's a good way to put it. There have, there were some classes in college that I did pass. Yeah. I thought that the, I thought that the threshold went one for one class was like 72 to pass. And in the class, I got a 71. Then I found out the threshold was 70 to pass. <laughs> Ooh, was I relieved on that one? That's close. It, it, it was close. It was one of the worst classes I've ever taken. One of the worst professors I've ever had. It was it was not good. I think in the like my my second midterm, I think I got a thirty. Wow. I, I, I to, to to how I passed that class, I still have no idea. Did you get your degree? I did get my degree. Yes, I have oh, okay. a I have a, a bachelor's of arts degree in economics. Okay. I hope it uh, has done you well. It's actually done me rather well when it comes to the music stuff, just recognizing certain trends and recognizing when th- what things are going right, when things aren't going right, just the ability to adapt and be able to recognize when things are, you know, going the best or when things are going the best. Okay. Figure out why and tack it from there. It's kind of, it's, it's not the principles. It's more the mentality that really helped out. Right. All right, we're seven for seven. How about we go eight, try and go for eight for eight with the song Incognito? And the song maintains this overall 80s kind of flow that it has to in my mind and the vibe with the more rock sound. But the new remastering on it has a little bit more mix on the uh, the focus on the bass guitar. So the bass guitar with the remastering has a little bit more of a prominence to it. And the deeper sound on the bass is drawn out just a little bit more. And I do think it's a good move. I had to play a little bit more of like a... Uh, anticipation sound there even though i only drew it off for an extra second the lighter acoustic front of the song really helps that contrast be brought out but it does get a little more but it has a little bit more of a blended sound in the original and it just keeps the main characteristic of the songs with that little bit of update but that deeper bass guitar just this very slightly a little bit deeper i really like how it's brought out in contrast over that lighter acoustic front so i'm like this is another win this is another win right here And Eric's just bobbing his right. head like, yeah, this is good shit. <laughs> Sell me some records. Sell me some records. Alrighty. Yes. <laughs> Alrighty. We're going to number nine, Pandora's Box. And the only thing that really changed on this one is we're going to go back to the vocals on this one. That's really the only thing that's really updated the remastering. And they've been, re- they kind of have been remastered in a little bit of a way that focuses on a little bit on the deeper tone overall. It isn't much deeper, but it has a, a very slight extra deepness to it compared to the original. And taking a look at my notes, I wrote, this actually works out well because of the more melodic pacing behind it, the deeper and heavier instrumentals. 
it just works as a complimentary piece overall. This is where that contrast isn't there, but the complimentary piece from a little bit of a deeper style on the vocals, especially with the remastering, really works well with the deeper, heavier instrumentals that are on this track. So again, another win. Now we're nine for nine, okay? We're nine for nine going through this remastering. That's, I mean, 90%, people, are, people, would, people in college would kill to pass with a 90%. They would. I mean, I, I still remember friends like, I have to get at least a 90. I'm like, yo, chill. It's fine. But like, There's so much pressure behind it. But I mean, if you got a 90 on some, holy shit, you were doing well. And then we go to Rise. And this song does the same thing that Pandora's Box does. It really doesn't change it up much, except for your vocals being a little bit slightly deeper in the original. It does work well against the heavier backing. But this one's a little bit interesting. I'm going to be honest with you, where it doesn't, or the, I'll put it this way. It doesn't really help the song achieve its larger difference to the positive, but it also doesn't take anything away from that positivity. So this one's kind of a, if you take the original for Rise, you take the remastered for Rise, a little bit of that deeper sound on the vocal uh, remastering, you're going to, you didn't lose out on anything, but I don't think you really gained anything. So I kind of give this one a wash and a half. 95. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I have to be, I'm, I'm giving you my honest thoughts on this. I don't, I'm not, I'm not doing this because, you know, I'm not trying to just completely pump you up. I'm going to be honest on every step of the way with my analysis when I went through these songs and with Rise, again, all I'm going to give it the half is it doesn't overtake the original, but it doesn't fall below the original. They're pretty much like, you can listen to both of them right. and you're going to end up enjoying both of them at the exact same level. Okay. That's fair enough. I'll take that. <laughs> Yeah, so if, if 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 for those sitting at home, that is a ninety-five percent, but that half a percent, but that that one that varies where it's you know we gave the five percent instead of the ten. Here's what here's one thing though, you could easily give it that ten though. It all depends upon you know maybe your mood at the time. Maybe you listen to the remastered version of Rise over the original, and it just the mood strikes and you like it a lot more. It's very easy to happen. So this is like a ninety-five. This is like a soft ninety-five because it has the potential to be a hundred. That's a better way to put it. It's a soft 95 with the potential to be 100. But it's not going lower than 95. Appreciate it. So I did do my little synopsis at the end. I said, overall, the, the remastered American Nightmare really polished up a few smaller things on each song. It you know it does make sense that after five years, this album is getting a little bit of a touch-up. It wouldn't change everything around completely because, again, it is a remastering. But those small tweaks really just amplify a little bit more of the things on the remastering that weren't on the original. And if you're going to listen to one or the other, here's what I'm going to say. Listen to the remastered version when it comes out on May 21st, 2021, because you're going to enjoy it a lot more due to the fact that there's certain smaller things that are a little bit more pronounced. The, the volume mix them is a little bit higher on certain things, a little bit more, you know, brought out in the contrast with lighter styles, a little bit harder styles. You never know what you're going to find, but you're going to end up enjoying a lot more due to the fact that now you're going to feel the full experience of this album that the way it was intended. Thank you. So that's more than acceptable. That's more than, Oh, thank God. Whew. I was, I, I mean, I was going for acceptable at the very least because as you start, I'm an, I'm acceptable today. I was hoping for that. I was going to get you from that acceptable level to that more than acceptable level. Like that, you know, when I'm saying I'm fine, now I'm doing fine. That's what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you took the time to actually, you know, like I said, listen to it and do some homework. And 
Well, well I, I do this whenever it comes to a guest being on the podcast. I do this all the time to the point where I want to go as deep into these songs as I can and really try and understand and really try and understand, especially with like the remastering stuff over the original, try and find out those differences and kind of pull them out because I know that does happen. But the main point is, is you're the ones that are making these songs. You're putting them out there for us to enjoy as a public. If I'm going to want to talk to you about these songs, I want to go as in depth as possible as I can on these due to the fact that one, who else is going to do it? And two, I want to show as much appreciation as possible because you're taking the time to come talk to me. I want to I want to be able to reciprocate in kind due to the fact that this is what I love to do. And I want to make sure that no matter what happens, I want to make sure that I am kind of on top of my game on this stuff. So right. I want to listen. I, pro- I probably listened to this album, the re-release. Let's see. Probably a total about three or four times through before I started really going through the uh doing the, the comparison style because I really want to make sure I understood exactly where I was coming from on each thing. So it did, it does take a while, not going to lie, but it is a time commitment that I say always well spent. What's your favorite song? Favorite song was, I had to be the titular song, American nightmare. Okay. It's when it comes to, when it comes to the music that I always like, I grew up really with my, my dad was big in the more that like, 80s hair metal kind of style, that hard rock kind of style. Big Van Halen guy, uh, ZZ Top, Rush. His favorite band was Electric Light Orchestra. So we were listening to all that when we were kids, me and my brother. But then when I started kind of forming my own musical horizons, I was getting into more like the modern hard rock stuff in the mid-2000s. A lot of Three Days Grace. Uh, then I got really into Disturbed. Got really into punk rock with Anti-Flag. Rise Against specifically. I mean, I, I listen to them all the time. I, they're my favorite band. And then as time went on, I started getting other bands, but then I started getting into metalcore as well with bands like Motionless and White, Ice Nine Kills, August Burns Red, Kills Which Engage. So with the kind of style I like, I like that faster, heavier driven style, a little bit more upfront brash in your face. And just the driving force and the driving feel that American Nightmare had behind it. I just like right when I listened to it, I kind of latched down to that. Right. So here's a challenge we always have. And I want to get your opinion. Like, who do you think we sound like or who does what does the music of Eitlo remind you of? Like, if you said, man, you know what band you would like? If you like X band, you would like Itla. Ooh, that's a good question. But I do have an answer for you already. And I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put pick a band out, honestly. What I would say is, is when you're thinking about Itla, when you're thinking about that, this kind of stuff they have when they're mixing different instances of hard rock and heavy metal in their music, what it reminds me of is... It reminds me of going to a large outdoor music festival or large outdoor gathering, whatever festival it might be. Cause I still remember I was, this was 2019. I was down in Daytona with my dad for the Daytona 500. And it was there was like two weeks before bike week down there. And we were going to the race for my dad's 60th birthday. And we were walking around a couple of bars the night beforehand. And they, it was walking around these bars and you just had this heavy metal biker feel to all these different bars. And it was awesome. Just because that's what, right. like, when when my when we have this church festival up here in Wisconsin, we have all these church festivals. The one that my parents uh, attend and my dad runs the beer tent at, which I actually kind of somewhat am overtaking because, well, I sling I used to sling beer for a living, so why not do it in volunteer style? And it's like the bands that we see come up there. It's just this heavy driving factor where you're going to have these kind of heavy rough rider kind of style guys just party and having a great time. Kind also. I think another way to put it is go to like the Sturgis bike rally. If if I saw you guys at the Sturgis bike rally, it would feel completely natural. Right. 
So that's what I think about. I'm always thinking about like, I'm just thinking about if I'm thinking about music, I'm thinking about that hard rock, heavy metal style that I would see a bunch of bikers hanging out at, having a kick-ass time, or riding around on a Harley Davidson listening to this stuff. That's what I think when I think of Itla's music. Well, thanks. Because I always have a hard time, you know, people are like, well, who do you sound like? And I ask people and they're like, well, you don't sound like anybody. And I've had reviews of older albums where they actually wrote like this band, I can't think of a band that this band sounds like, which to me, if anything else that I've done with the band or the music, to me, that's the biggest compliment because, you know, there's so many bands you're like, oh, they sound just like, oh, they sound just like, you know, to me, that's the biggest compliment or achievement. You know, we're not superstars or whatever, but for someone, for people to say, wow, you guys sound original. I can't put my finger on who you sound like. That's the biggest like pat on the back that I, I feel like I get, I've gotten. Yeah, like I can't put a, I can't like equate you guys with a specific band, but what I can equate you guys with is a, like going to a concert, going to a live music performance and a specific mood that kind of just entrances you around that. That's what I kind of got from it, especially from the music, just especially American Nightmare with that driving force behind it. Because I was thinking, honestly, I should buy a Harley and put this on and get a kick-ass sound system in there and go ride, <laughs> go ride across the country listening to this thing. And it would just sound completely and utterly natural and feel natural. Just, you know, revving up that engine, flying like 90 miles an hour down some random highway, listening to American Nightmare. That I, I looked, I thought about that feels right. That's just what it feels like. Right. That's awesome. So, hey, if you're watching this and you like make movies and you need soundtrack music, check out Itlo. Yes. Oh, God. And for everyone that is listening, that it potentially can come to, you know, book certain shows like, hey, uh, the Sturgis Rally. If you're looking for a band that would perfectly fit into the overall mood and has a sound that is unlike any other band, because when they're asked, what band do we sound like? No one can give a straight answer because they don't sound like any other band. Why not have Itla come and play? Exactly. That's a great idea. We're actually working. We kind of sort of had a potential to play Sturgis this year, but it kind of fell through, but it might happen in 2022. So uh, well, that's something that's an iron we have. We sort of have on the fire. It's not hot enough to smelt yet, but that may be something that may be happening in our future. That wouldn't be a bad idea. You're not the only band I've ever brought up the idea of playing Sturgis at. You're the second band I've ever thought of the idea of bringing up playing Sturgis at because it's there's a, there's a certain like vibe, there's a certain mood, there's a certain feel. And when I listen to music, and I always kind of equate it with kind of like the ZZ Top feel. Like if I feel like you kind of have that same like a same like vibe, or like okay, if I'm at Sturgis and I'm seeing ZZ Top, and it kind of like going to a different band that I've talked to. Would that transition just feel just utterly natural and just no one would just be like, what the hell's going on here? But everyone would still have a kick-ass time. Because I just, I, again, right. I grew up listening to ZZ Top. This is something I've just always kind of had my mind go on. I'm like, listening to Itla's music, listening to your music. Yeah, imagine you guys opening for ZZ Top. It just makes, well. it, like that transition in shows between Itla and the ZZ Top, the crowd, it would just make total sense. I don't know if I'd agree with you there, but uh, I, I think that, I think that's a great uh, kind of comparison, though. Like, if you think of, like, ZZ Top or if you think of Metallica or even if you think of, um, like, Led Zeppelin, you know, when those bands were coming up, people were like, well, what do they sound like? Well, or even Rush, right? Nobody yeah. sounds like Rush. Nobody sounds like ZZ. Nobody sounded like ZZ Top. I can't even think of any bands 
like more famous bands where I go like, well, that kind of sounds like ZZ Top or, well, they kind of sound like Rush. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's right. But, you know, ZZ Top, well, is sort of blues, kind of hard rock. And, you know, Metallica was heavy metal. And, you know, um, whatever example, uh, the other oh, example Rush. I gave was, what was rock. Rush. Rush. You know, they were sort of rock, sort of like progressive, but they, you know, that's what kind of I think Isla is, right? You go like, well, it's heavy metal, but it's not really, and I, and I don't really do this on purpose, but you know, I'm the main songwriter. And when I write, I just write organically. So, you know, I don't try to shoehorn in, you know, like, oh, I, every song has to be like, this is an Isla song. This is the sound. You know, and we've gotten shit on that in reviews saying this band doesn't know what they want to be. Do they want to be thrash? Do they want to be hard rock? Do they want to be progressive? But I, I don't really care of the style. I just write to write. I'm just a conduit for what's, you know, the music, uh, what the universe is speaking to me. And I go like, this is an Itla song. And, you know, I kind of have a funny story about a local band. Uh, so a few years ago, there was this local band uh, I won't name their name. No one will know them anyway, but they were, they were some dash core band. I don't know if it was metal core, if it was bitch core, I, I don't know what it is, but I seen them and I listened to their stuff and we played a show with them and every song was exactly the same. It was paint by numbers. It was like, it started out heavy. The singer would do the growly verses. You know, this was the style, like this was 2012. So probably late, uh, early teens, like 2010 ish or whatever. You had a lot of bands that, Every song was um, the verse was like, and then the chorus would like change into this more uplifting. And a guy would go like, my feelings are hot. like you would the same, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, he was singing the verses and then the, the go back to the vocals with the verses would be like the, the uh, gruddle kind of death metal. And then every song had a halftime you know hit the china and then it was like don't don't you know it was the same exact pattern for every song and so a few years later you know sometimes i like to go see what bands are doing that i just pop in my head because a lot of bands locally shit on my band because they thought we sucked or whatever and so i went and looked up this band and the band had a big write-up on their facebook page they're like Hey fans or whatever. We, we were in the, we were in the middle. We decided to write new music for the band and every song we came up with didn't sound like the band, the, the, the old band. So the five of us formed a new band that we, with a new name, because when we wrote songs, they didn't sound like the other band. And to me, that goes to show if you're, you know, writing songs, and you're not organic and you're like, Hey, we like this band we want to be like them and you try to shoehorn every song into the style it shows right because yeah. if they were if they were truly like evolving as musicians and said okay you know i get it when a band like 15 16 year olds and then you're you know 30 you're going to sound different but these guys you know were older already and you know the band wasn't that old so they were just trying to you know like oh we i felt like they were just like we want paint by numbers dash core music uh, let's just follow that trend. And then they probably decided to write organically, like, hey, let's sort of like be ourselves and not try to be this other thing. And, you know, it to me, I just laugh because, you know, I think that's a big mistake that musicians make, you know, when it, it shows that they're not being organic in their songwriting. And then they sound like somebody else. And then they go like, you know, they sound just like 
you know, X, Y, Z, you know, band with three names after the silence or, or I don't know, like, you know, they had so many bands with that trend. They had three, like it was three, every band was three words. It was some kind yeah. of small sentence. And if you're like, you know exactly what they were going to sound like. And it's like, you know, uh, don't try to follow a trend. And then you, your music becomes timeless, you know, and I've never followed a trend. And, and that's why I think I'm successful you know, in the writing to, to be what you said, right. You can't put your finger on it. You know, it's heavy, uh, but you not quite know what to call it. So no, I, I'll just say absolutely. One thing I've been a huge proponent of, not only when I do like different album reviews, but when I talk to bands, it's when it comes to the songwriting process, let them happen naturally. If you get an idea for something, roll with it. You're going to have different influences with many different things because it all depends upon what you and the band are listening to at that time. Hell, if all of a sudden you're kind of having this whole like a pop influence in there and all of a sudden you're going to see, okay, I like the way that this progresses and you're going to put it in with your heavy metal style or whatever other style you might be feeling at the time, you're going to end up creating something that you like that's organic but also still has the itla core to it in terms of that core sound, that sound that's just right at the base of everything that you do. So it's going to still have that itla feel to it, but you're going to end up, you know, doing a couple of different things instead of having that paint by numbers kind of style. And that's, and when you have that paint that by numbers kind of style, it's yeah. Okay. What does this band sound like? This band sounds exactly like, yeah, this band, this band, this band, this band. You kind of talk about, you said, said like the, the three award thing. It's like, oh yeah. Like uh, after the burial upon this dawning, I'm just trying to think of some other ones, but those bands actually did stand out. And I mean, I, I did end up getting my worst concert injury at an after the burial show so i do always have a soft spot for them in my heart <laughs> but it, it does speak volumes to your music as well to the fact that yeah you can't put itla in a box you can't say who they sound like but take a look at all the other all, like some of the, the the best bands ever take a look at rush like we said who does rush sound like rush doesn't sound like anybody rush sounds like rush because i i haven't found a band that ever 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 in my entire time on earth that I found that is similar to Rush. I've And ZZ Top, no one really can compare with ZZ Top in terms of what they do. Take a look at a couple other modern examples uh, for everyone out there. Try and tell me who Bring Me the Horizon sounds like. Because they're so all over the place. You don't know what they You don't know who they sound like. They right. just sound like themselves. I'm, tr I'm trying to think of a couple other. I'll even use, I, I'll pull up Rise Against example. I've tried to have people tell me who Rise Against sounds like. And I'll get like a couple of ones like, oh, The Offspring or Against Me. I'm like, well, maybe not really, but still, it's just kind of, there's a certain nuance. I'm like, okay, what about the vocals? Yeah, you can't figure, or Disturbed, there's another great one. What vocal, does anyone sound like Disturbed in terms of the vocal style? No one's going to sound like David Draymond. No one's right. going to sound like, or uh, Queen, for example. Find me a band that sounds like Queen. It's, it's, it, you can't, because it's just Queen. <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, that I find that to be the most successful thing, but that goes, that also hurts too. Cause people like, uh, you know, like in a description, they'll put like, well, what do you, who do you sound like? And it's like, if you put nobody, then you come off like an arrogant prick, like, Oh, you don't think you sound like anybody, but that might drive them to want to go discover it for themselves. But, um, yeah. So, yeah. So if, if you ever get kind of in that moment where if someone's trying to like, Oh, who do you sound like you guys don't sound like anybody else. But what you can always try and do is you can always try and describe the the overall mood and the overall feeling that your music gives off if you if you're able to right. do that because that's when I when you asked me that question that's what I was thinking of I because when I first listened I couldn't think of a band that you guys sound like I couldn't think of a band that Isla sound like but there was a certain idea that I had in my head of like when I listen to music what does it make me where does it make me feel like I'm at what does it make me feel like I'm doing and it made me feel either like I'm at 
a giant, you know, a giant festival like the Surge's bike rally and around like these like these more rough, tough kind of people like bikers or I'm driving on a Harley or riding on a Harley and I'm blasting this stuff and it just feels natural. It feels like I'm hitting the open road. And I'm I've got the engine revving up. I'm driving 90 through Nebraska and I'm waving to people like, yeah, I'm the man. That's what it kind of makes me feel like. Well, just as long as you're, you know, just as long as it doesn't remind you of the smell of hot, sweaty body odor bikers <laughs> and like human waste. It did not make me think of any of that, but as you brought it up, now I'm still thinking about that original story with human waste. I'm thinking, oh lordy, but no, it never made me f- remind me of that. It just reminded me of like the 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 best times about the best times about you know riding on a bike or on a motorcycle, I should say, or a chop or whatever it might be. It it reminds me of like the kind of music that I would end up listening to if. You know, my, if my dad and I, when we were in uh, watching Orange County Choppers, if for some reason we ever bought a motorcycle, we'd be wor- if we worked out in the garage or something, it's like this is the kind of music that we would listen to to really just get in that headspace, get in the mood of, you know, we're working with machine, we're working with our hands kind of thing. That's the feel right. it gives off. Right. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, we'll have to try to incorporate that. We have an intangible sound yes. as opposed to a tangible that is okay. That is the way to put. It. You you have an intangible sound. That is a good way to put it. Where you you can you can try and describe it as a mood. You can try to describe it as a feeling. But when it comes to what band does Eitla sound like, here's the answer: none. They don't sound like any band. They have their own unique sound, their own unique style. But if like okay, but then again, what? Well, how? What do I have to think about to get into them? What can I expect? It's like I can explain a mood. I can explain a feeling. And I can kind of get you into the headspace and you put on Eitlin, you're going to be thinking, oh, shit, you're right. Well, at least I hope I'd say, oh, shit, Kevin, you're right. And just really enjoyed off of that. I mean, what a couple of different people, uh, you know, said that we that the genre we were in, they would call it eclectic doom. Eclectic <laughs> doom. Yeah. That, 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 that's a thing. No, that's the thing. They just said, well, it's sort of doomy. Like we were, uh, we did a tour, uh, like a little tour back in 2014. And I was talking to the road manager, uh, the tour manager, or no, the stage manager. No, no, he was the tour manager. Anyway, I was just talking to him one morning, you know, we're up early and I was like, we're talking about the band. And I go, well, what, what does it remind you of? He goes, well, it's sort of doom, but it's not really doom. He's like, I, I would just call it like eclectic doom. I was like, okay. And then somebody else, ironically, you know, a couple of years later kind of said, I'd call it eclectic doom. So I, it's kind of an interesting genre. Maybe we're the only eclectic doom band out there, yeah. but you know, I know we're not a doom, we're not purely doom, you know, that that's obviously a sound, but that's where you yeah. use the adjective eclectic because it's doomy overall. And maybe that's sort of the feeling of the intangible, the doom feeling um, you know, with a lot of bikers around or whatever, you, you don't know if yeah. it's an impending doom or whatever, but you, you're a little nervous, but you're a little excited, like something could pop off, but you know, but it's a little eclectic too. Cause you might get a little thrash metal or you might get a little, you know, power metal or a little progressive taste here and there. That is incredibly kind of accurate the way you described it as well. But on top of it, it's kind of like you create your own subgenre in a way. Well, thank you. Uh, well, I didn't create somebody else named it, so I didn't create it. I just I created the sound. Somebody else gave it the name. Uh, yeah. Maybe it'll stick. Maybe somebody, you know, in 10 years, they'll like 
hey, Eclectic Doom will be the 10,000th variant of metal subgenre. I, I mean, it very likely could because there's other times when I try and describe other bands, I'm like, I have a hard time describing them. I've come up with certain ways to describe them as well. Like, I use Rise Against the example. People ask me, like, are they punk? I'm like, well, they're not full-on punk like you'd expect, like, Anti-Flag or Pennywise to be. Or, like, go back, like, the Sex Pistols. They're not that, abra- like, brazen and upfront as they used to be. Like, it's got more like this polished, poetic sound to it. So I started calling it polished punk because it's still punk rock. It's still right. it's still straightforward, but you listen to the lyrics, you listen to the way the vocals are. It's got a lot more of a poetic feel to it, and it's not mm-hmm. as super brash and in your face. So I'm like, it's still punk rock with the way it's presented, the way the themes are, but it's got a more polished feel to it. So that's right. how I that's why I kind of have it. And the reason I'm making that parallel is because when you're talking about eclectic doom, it kind of has the same feeling where you're taking something where it's like, okay, this is the base of where it's going. This is the base of like how it feels. But then you add another word onto it to kind of create it its own thing. But that other word describes that emotion. Like you said, like eclectic doom, you know, you're, it's kind of feels like you're in a giant room with a bunch of bikers. You're a little scared because you never know what the hell could happen, but you're a little excited because you never know what the hell could happen. <laughs> right. I, that's a good description. I'm glad I, uh, we kind of worked this out. That is perfect. Aitla, eclectic doom. I'm, I might end up I'm, when, I, when it comes to promoting this podcast. I'm going to put that in the description. I'm going to make sure it's it starts to get known. <laughs> We're, I'm interviewing Eric from the eclectic doom band Itla. I'll say Itla, the band that we the, the band that you can't put in a you can't like compare with any other band. So they are in their own subgenre category. <laughs> eclectic doom. Kind of like that though. Well, thank you. We'll see. We'll make it sick and. Eric, as we close out this podcast, as I like to end this, I would like to give you the opportunity to say whatever you want to say, plug whatever you want to plug, whatever you want to say. The floor is yours. All right. So we know why we're here. American Nightmare Remastered released May will be released today, May 21st uh, on ESXR Records. We're going to have a digital, I mean, uh, besides a digital release, it'll be available uh, at physical uh, on physical CDs at uh, independent CD shops. I don't know if it's going to be available May 21st, but you could also go online and order if you want a CD and we'll sign it for you. If you want one, email the band directly. You know, if you want to check out the band, you know, we actually still keep our real uh, domain, which is itla.com, A-I-T-T-A-L-A.com. I'm assuming these links will hopefully be, you know, below in the description. If they're not, you know, A-I-T-T-A-L-A. Well, I think the spelling will at least be there because it'll say Eric from the Eclectic Doom <laughs> Band, Itla. You know, if you search Google, you'll find it. Uh, you know, we're on all the major um, uh, social media platforms. So subscribe, like, blah, blah, blah. You know, and also, you know, support local bands when you see, you know, no big shows probably or not many big shows from major bands. So those, like I said earlier, you know, take your $800 you're going to spend on that shitty stadium seat you were going to get and go, you know, enjoy local bands, buy their merch, support them and, you know, discover new music because, you know, without new music, you know, people are getting old and, you know, a lot of the bands that we like or what I like, especially growing up in the 80s, those dudes are getting in their 70s. They're not going to be around much longer, you know, unless they start doing all hologram tours of everybody. But, you know, new music is where it's at. So find your new favorite local band or uh, unknown band, independent bands and, you know, give them a shot and, you know, support them so they can, you know, get a little headway in the future. 
get a little more popularity. That is a great message to end with. And now I usually end these podcasts with three things. This time we're doing four. So the first one is to piggyback on what you had just said. And when it comes to supporting all live music, when it comes to supporting your local acts, your regional acts, just take a look at what's going on around your hometown. Just see what bands are out there. Go and support them. Go just see a show. Go buy some merch because those bands, you never know, 10 years down the line, you those bands could be those bands that you'd want buy, you'd pay that $800 ticket for that shitty stadium seat for, but why not go and see them in like a 100 person little music venue and you can be right up front with them. And you can get to know them a lot better that way. You can support them a lot better that way. I mean, this is direct support here. So support local music, support everything that's coming around you, and support these venues as well because they, like the musicians, like the artists, these venues have been through a tough time too over the past 14 months. Let's right. make sure I mean, that they survive. I mean, Raleigh lost its main uh, metal venue. It just closed. And, it, and also Fayetteville, which is about an hour away, the main original local metal venue also closed. So, you know, I'm sure venues are closing, you know, all around, you know, hopefully people as in the past, you know, will say, Oh, there's a vacuum. Let's open a new original venue, but you know, maybe not. So your city might have lost, you know, it's place to really go see local metal bands. So you might have to travel a little bit. So spend some money, you know, use your leftover stimulus money. Yes. Trust me. It is definitely worth it. Uh, from, what I've seen so far, yeah, definitely worth it. Number two, like Eric had said, there's so many places you can find Ayla online. There's so many places where you can connect with them. There's so many places where you can stream American Number when it comes out, the remastered version on May 21st, 2021. And I, like I said earlier with my degree when it comes to college, I was a degree, I got a bachelor's degree in economics. So I know certain things about incentives and convenience. So when it comes to convenience, why not just put all the links in the description of the YouTube video or on Spotify podcast and iHeartRadio that says find ITLA online and you're going to have all the labels, all their socials, where you can find their website, where you can buy some of their merch, which I suggest, and where you can stream the album as well when it drops on May 21st, the remastered version of American Nightmare. It's all going to be down there for you. So follow them, subscribe to them, buy some merch, follow them on Spotify or Apple Music, share their stuff with everybody. I mean, I'm making it as easy as possible for you guys. There is no way you can miss out on this. There is no way you can mess this up. Everything's in the description. And not only listen to American Nightmare, the remaster release May 21st on EXR Records, but we have five albums in the back catalog. Check those I'm out. As it will be four albums in the back catalog because American Nightmare is number five. And so uh, album number six is going to be out by the end of the year. Yes. So you're going to want to make sure you get in with Itla now before that new album comes out later in the year. I mean, this is the perfect opportunity to do it now. So that like we were talking about getting in with these bands that are up, that are really starting to make headway, really start to get going, supporting your local bands are part of your smaller acts. This is the perfect time to do it. Like make it happen. People make it happen. I had to say that two times for emphasis. Now, number three, and this is something that Eric I only ever say to guests that I've had an absolute pleasure on the podcast having them on, and I make them a promise. So this happens 100% of the time, and this is no exception. <laughs> this is a promise I'm making you, Eric. It is not an if. This is not an if. This is a when. When I get to see Eitla perform live for the first time. Again, it's a when. This is my promise to you, my friend. First round's on me. 
July 30th, come to Thunder Valley Tavern in Bristol, Tennessee, and see us open up for GFM. I'll say I'm, I'll see if I can make it down there. If not, then we will push it off to a later date when we can hopefully cross paths. If I'm out somewhere and I can see you guys at some different if you guys come by me, if I end up traveling out by you, whatever it might be. Hopefully it's July 30th. We'll see what happens though. But on that note, Eric, in all good conscience, I cannot end this podcast with goodbye because, well, this is not the only time I ever want to have you on the podcast. This was fun as all hell. Plus, I do want to make sure that I pay up on my debt and and do that first rounds on me thing. So I will not right. say goodbye because that's way too like final ending. I'm going to end it with this. See you later. Until we talk again. Until we talk again. Well, well, folks, that was my interview with Eric from the band Eitla. Yes, an eclectic doom might be the best way to describe it. So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. When it comes to finding Eitla online, when it comes to streaming American Nightmare, the remastered version on May 21st, 2021, or anytime after that, you can follow them on all their socials, find them on YouTube, buy some merch on their website, and go stream their stuff, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever else you stream. I will have links in the description of this podcast for you as well to enjoy. And remember what Eric said. Two things. One, they got a brand new album coming out at some point at the end of the year. And will Eric be back in the podcast? I certainly am going to try and make that happen so we can talk all about new music. And with concerts returning, yes, we all want to see the big bands. We all want to see our favorites. But there are plenty of local acts out there. Plenty of smaller acts, regional acts that are really going strong right now that are going to be coming to a town near you. Go support them. This is live music coming back. Go support what's coming next. Go support the people that are upcoming, that are emerging. Go support those venues as well that we have been losing and missing out since this whole entire thing started in March of 2020. So go support them. You know I'll be doing that. And I will be playing with our friends at GFM on July 30th in Bristol, Tennessee. And the link will be in the description for their Facebook uh, event for it as well. So you can get all the information there. And remember, what's the little toll on this podcast? Tell someone you know. Tell a friend. Tell a family member. Post it on your socials. Post it to a group that you're a part of on Facebook. Whatever it might be. Just let's get the word about the Core Progression Podcast out to the fans. And on that note, that's for me. Thank you for listening to the Code Progression Podcast. My name is Rock and Roll Thrive. My name is Kevin. And you guys know how I am. Every single one of the big, healthy, and hearty. See ya! Oh, yeah!